This is uh, Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. Hi, Joe Patrice. Hi, that's Catherine Ravino. And Chris Williams is here somewhere. Right here. There we go. <laughs> uh, we are all uh, your editors at Above the Law, and we, are, we produce the show every week to give you a little rundown of some of the big stories that were in the week that was. Yeah. So that's, a, that's like a clever... You should like write that down and use it again. We, uh, yeah. 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 The, okay. You might, you know, have like a script. One might... <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm sorry. That that sound effect, of course, means that we're going to begin our small talk section of the show. Joe is a dick. <laughs> That's how I'm starting small talk. I think okay. it's fair. All right. So, yeah, so uh, small talk, I, uh, it was cold. It's very cold. Mm-hmm. I, listeners, my recall Are we literally talking week, about the weather right now? Yeah. I'm, I'm barreling right through what he's saying. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Don't worry. Listeners will recall last week I was joined by my baby who is ill, Mm -hmm. but the good news is she's on the mend, not 100% because I don't think anything gets cured anymore in a week. (laughs) That was really cute. That was like babies saying, yeah, Yeah, it was real cute. Yeah, that's how, yeah. Real cute. Uh I like that. Good one. Good one. Good one. Uh, yeah, but she had a, a, a terrible rash. We think it was fifth disease, which I'd never heard of, but lots of lots of rashes, lots of fevers, and uh, but we're on the other side of the worst of it. So I just wanted to give a little update for those of you who are you know who were following along. That makes sense. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so that's good to hear. Otherwise, yeah, no, I mean, I, I really didn't have anything but the weather to talk about just because it's been, it's been just so brutal. Really? Brutal? Is that, I don't know. Bitterly cold. Did you not go outside? Yeah, well, I had a sick child. Yeah, that's uh, fair, that's fair, that's so fair. So the, the amount of, out, I mean, I guess I went to the doctor, but it felt yeah. it felt cold, but not like uniquely cold. But also, you know, we've had really mild winters the last right. couple of years. I feel like we're due. I feel like it's been above zero. It has. That is yes. true. Unless you're talking about Celsius. <laughs> we aren't, we aren't, we aren't here. We never yeah. do. Because we're American. Yeah. yeah. America. We, me- we measure temperature in bald eagles. Big Macs <laughs> and genocide denial. Those are the main units yep. of measurement. Well, anyway, so uh, how would you do this week, Chris? Oh, I uh, I was in I was in your camp, not 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 baby camp, but being inside camp. Um, I just played a lot of this games called Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, Iceborne, mm. and when I tell you, I've slain so many monsters. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm was, glad you're keeping us all safe here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do my part. I protect and serve. No, it, it just felt like it felt like a like the parts of a Lewis and Clark expedition they leave out. It's like, oh, look at that beautiful landscape. Let's go kill that thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been it's been really fun. It's been really fun. I think we might have figured out what happened to the buffalo. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I Besides found just them. going wide right. Mm. <laughs> oh. Yes. Oh, that oh, oh that was oh that was harsh. That was yeah. good. That was good. There wow. needs to be a there needs to be a zing sound effect. That was <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even see it coming. Neither did they. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wow. Sorry, Buffalo. I mean it, it did stink for them. Yeah. But also we get another week of Taylor Swift attending That's true. um NFL games. So, so win win. Taylor so, yeah, works in mysterious ways. All right. 
And I that, think that's maybe Jason Kelsey in his uh, shirtless uh, antics will continue as well. He does a lot of things to look forward to. And with the mention of Taylor Swift, that will conclude <laughs> small talk. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey. Want to talk uh, about some legal stuff? No. Okay, good. Then, well, let's talk about Alina Haba. <laughs> uh, You're welcome. Tr- Trump's attorney, uh, known for such hits as really just being a parking garage attorney and saying that she'd rather be pretty than smart because she can fake being smart, has failed to fake being smart. Uh, In the trial that she's now taking part in, she's been chastised multiple times by the judge for all manner of basic courtroom screw-ups. She's asked for mistrials based on nothing. She doesn't seem to understand what spoliation means. She's tried to introduce exhibits without laying a foundation or even pre-marking them. She's been yelled at by the judge to sit down a few times and to stand up (laughs) when she tried to talk to him without standing. I think it's interesting, um, you know, her courtroom antics. It's not just like basic courtroom procedure. Obviously, that's um, a big part of it, but it's kind of gone mainstream. It's not just like nerds anymore who are making fun of her. Seth Meyers went after her um, because of, you know, Judge Kaplan. Is that your example of not a nerd? <laughs> well, it's, it's mainstream. mainstream. Okay, it's mainstream. okay. I, I just want to call, network. I just wanted to call Seth Meyers a nerd. I felt like somebody had to do it. <laughs> it's on a network. That yeah, counts. I, I think that a first year associate at a big law firm could do a better job because at least they'd have the common decency to be chagrined the first time. Yeah, well, that's the part that gets me is if you aren't if you aren't capable of being a courtroom attorney uh, as because this is just and that's not even a knock. This isn't really her practice area. Figure it out, like do some work to try and get it figured out. Uh, that seems to be not what happened. And I will throw in a quick plug uh, for any rising, uh, any current two L's who will be rising three L's. I actually wrote an article about Alina last week that had a, a little nugget within it, which is that there's a pretty cool trial advocacy boutique, uh, a trial advocacy academy that boutique law firm Molo Lampkin's running. Seems cool. You can you do a better a, job. Then. You can spend a week learning to do the stuff that Alina doesn't do, and they'll give you forty five hundred bucks for it. So, nice. I, but uh, anyway, that it speaks to the way in which that's all it really takes to be passably competent in a courtroom. Like you could, you can sit down with somebody and work for a week, and you know, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not going to be the world's greatest attorney at that point, but you're not going to get yelled at for not marking exhibits and stuff. The thing that gets me, you know, I remember as a young attorney, the, mm-hmm. the first time the partner I worked with said that I was ready to take a deposition and, and mm-hmm. you know, and had just the terror or defend a deposition. I guess I did that first. Uh, right. And just sort of the terror that I had that I wouldn't say I wouldn't object at the right times that I would miss something. And I just remember like going over every possible permutation of like when I should say something, when I shouldn't, you know, possible question, like, and just kind of obsessing about it. And, and what it really, the compare and contrast that to, you know, Alina's uh, performance in the courtroom. And, you know, we always knew that Trump's attorneys had no shame, but this is, (laughs) this is just putting it up in lights right there. Right. Because she has no shame. She, she doesn't even have the decency to be like, horrifically embarrassed about what she's doing. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for her. Like it was, it's, it's painful to, to watch. Two things. One, 
yes, it's harder to imagine a better Trump lawyer. Because, like, <laughs> if Trump was practicing, this is what it will look like. Somehow yeah. worse, but it would look like this. Second thing, I just wish I was a fly in the wall for whatever person is teaching trial team to like law students because these are just clear examples of things not to do <laughs> oh man yeah that is, like yeah. it's one this is really one of those hypos come to life situations where it's like oh and here we don't do this yeah i'll bet every absolutely nerdy mock trial team out there is having <laughs> pizza parties watching this sort of yeah. stuff yeah. yeah i get that right but the person I think I feel the worst for in this whole debacle is Lewis Kaplan. <laughs> that man seems to be on his very last nerve oh, and still yeah. has to, you know, act like a dignified judge. I, you know, I, I, as I think about it and I think about the Southern District, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't have hoped for another judge to have this this case. <laughs> like just somebody who has who has the the ability to kind of manage this sort of craziness because he's not going to take any yeah. any guff exactly from these zero bs yeah. uh yeah like it, it, that's not a knock on anybody else in the in the district but i could imagine other folks like trying you know frustratedly trying to accommodate the insanity and uh that is just not not where he is <laughs> at this point in his career. So, yeah, it's an interesting, you know, well, and look, Alina's making bank off of it. We did get some insight into how much money she's making because the Trump pays, it, it appears as though Trump is paying a lot of his attorneys from his super PAC. That way it's not his actual money. Well, uh, at least they're getting paid. Yeah, so the, the upside is they're getting paid. The downside is everyone gets to see what they're getting paid. And over the first half of last year, Alina managed to pull down one and a half mil. Ooh. I assume it's more now. Obviously, she's had the whole second half of last year, and she's in a trial now. I got to think that she's, you know, faking being smart might actually be paying off for her. Uh, yeah, 1.5 is keeps pretty her smart. <laughs> if she keeps her license out of this, uh, she's she's golden. That's a big if. That's a big Even if, if not, that's a nice little nest egg, long as she avoids mm -hmm. prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Look, I, I don't think there's any allegations of anything criminal uh, cropping yeah. up, probably. Uh, but she's, you know, <laughs> she does she does have a disciplinary issue. Uh, she's been hauled into court by someone who worked at Trump's club that Alina, according to the texts that are included in the complaint, Alina was telling her, oh, yeah, you know, don't don't file a grievance against your employer. I can handle this for you. Uh, but secretly also angling to work for Trump at the same time. Uh, she's letting on that she might be helping this person. The texts, assuming they are accurate, do not look particularly great for Alina. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and then who knows what comes from, yeah. you know, irritating Kaplan. McDermott, Will & Emery is Vault's number one law firm for associate satisfaction three years running. Why? Because they're doing big law better. At McDermott, you define what your success looks like. They help you achieve it. McDermott's award-winning professional development program and hands-on mentorship propel you toward your goals, while the industry-leading wellness benefits help you feel your best so you can do your best. Want to see how your life could be better at McDermott? Head to mwe.com slash above the law. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. 
Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at calidusai.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Okay, next up is a story that you covered, Catherine. Uh, Me? Yeah, from Troutman. I probably should have read your email, huh? It would have been great. (laughs) I'll figure it out. I wrote about it, so I I must know it. One would hope. Yeah. uh, Oh, oh, I remember now. (laughs) My God. Yeah, so this professional operation here. No, uh, there was a complaint filed by a former associate at uh, Troutman Pepper claiming uh, racial discrimination filed in the district court for District of Columbia and alleges racial discrimination and retaliation. Says that she received positive reviews for her work, but then started to work for a particular partner who made belittling comments about her work um, and had aggressive emails questioning her competence. And she says that she complained about the demeaning, dehumanizing, and demoralizing, and that's a quote, uh, email to HR and was let go from the firm as a result uh, of the of complaining about the the emails. And I think that in the complaint, she says that what she was told was that it was not racial discrimination, the sort of belittling email that she received, and that uh, the partner in question treats everybody like that. <laughs> Right. So so there's a lot to untangle here. Uh, obviously, there's the question of, you know, whether or not big law, uh, the big law culture of being a complete asshole to everybody. Uh, is, Insulates you from racial discrimination? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, whether or not it's appropriate or professional in the first place, then whether or not it insulates you from racial discrimination, it really... I mean, I don't think it's appropriate, but I think it's still, unfortunately, a reality at a lot of firms. When I read through the complaint, it seemed to me as though the critical aspect was kind of the negative space. The partner in question probably is just an asshole all the time, but the allegation was that these sorts of emails only happened to the black associates, uh, that other folks didn't get this this level of his assholeness. Uh, so it's not so much that he wasn't an asshole, but he, he tempers it in certain cases, and that that was a large aspect, at least according to the complaint, mm-hmm. of, the, of the story. It's bad no matter what, though. Like, even if this, is, if, if this turns out not to be a racial discrimination claim, like the hostile work environment that gets created like this is a problem, and it's a problem the big law needs to take more seriously because one aspect that of this story is let's assume, assume the associate is actually does have issues. Mm-hmm. No one seemingly informed them of that throughout this whole, this whole thing, uh, only positive reviews until now. Mm-hmm. And if you as a firm think there's some sort of an issue, like you have to proactively try to work around that because if you don't leave a trail of why things aren't working or at least try to, like you don't have to like formally have a every time you meet with them say like here's eight million things wrong but you've got to like at yeah, least I mean, foreground I, I think that this goes back to one of an argument i've been making since i started working here at above the law right which is that big law does a really terrible job of teaching folks how to manage yeah right just because you're good at bringing in your third uncle twice removed cousin's brother's business to you to the firm and get makes a lot of money for the firm doesn't mean you're capable of managing young 
attorneys of any variety, right? And I and there's very little training and most big law firms in order to get people up to speed and understanding the basics of management that people who go to business school take entire classes in. One of the allegations was that the associate tried to put the notary signature on a different page than the signature block, you know, mm-hmm. like just little stuff like that that apparently set off this stuff. I mean, listen, I once got yelled at for putting the staple in the wrong direction on uh, yeah. I mean, like I'm saying, these kind of things absolutely happen. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, this mistake is, you know, one that you learn not to make, but it's also one that nobody sits down and teaches you because why the hell would they? Like, it, it doesn't strike you as something that, like, requires a course. And that gets to the heart of, I'm all in favor of hybrid work, and I think that it's unfair that senior attorneys who delivered one of the most profitable years in big law history while they were all on lockdown are now forced to commute back into the office every day. Like, that's not great. But there is something to be said for the sort of training that happens to associates, Mm. like put staples this direction, like put the notary on the same page as the signature block. That's stuff that only happens when you're in a room with somebody and you do it and they go, whoa, 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 actually. And that is lost. And this, mm-hmm. I thought, as I read the complaint, one of the like hidden message, like underneath the surface of the complaint the whole way, I was thinking this is, this is somebody who joined the firm during a lockdown era. And there's probably a lot of these soft learning lessons that one would expect a fourth year associate to already have gotten if they'd been in an office the whole time, but they haven't been. And then just a complete lack of you know. Yeah, and that goes back to firm leaders across the board, not just, you know, this firm in question, but in general are saying that junior and mid-level associates are not where they expect them to be yeah. because of the sort of learning gap because of COVID. And even though those years were profitable, they're not creating the attorneys that will maintain that profitability. So, you, you know, that's that's a real struggle, I think, that a lot of firms are trying to figure out and strike the right balance, et cetera, et cetera. But I also wonder if part of the lack of management skills that the partnership has is that not every member of the partnership is clued into this and the fact that these are not necessarily the bad attorneys. These are Mm -hmm. not necessarily people who can't be taught. But just because someone's a fourth year and you expect X from a fourth year, you have to understand that, yes, they're a fourth year, but two and a half of those years were at home. And Mm -hmm. that means that there are certain things. They're not bad. They're not dumb. They're not incapable of being taught, but they didn't get those same experiences that you typically expect fourth years or fifth years or whatever to have. And I don't think, I don't know that every firm is doing a great job of making sure that everybody in a management position, which to be honest is senior associates on upward are aware of that fact and are making sure that they're getting people up to speed in a way that's productive as opposed to blaming folks for not knowing what they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, I think that was the, the saddest thing about it is one, the associate was actively seeking out help, trying to be better yeah. about something. And I felt like a good example of what the the partner was saying was bad was what he was doing. He was like, you should have known. I was very clear. He was very vague about the the criticism. Like he, even, yeah. he, even if he was like, I said this earlier, copy and paste, like it shouldn't be that hard to get help. But I don't, this isn't the end of the story. We are not the only people who have been talking about it. Right. right. Well, there we, this this story did uh, spark some just kind of racist nonsense on social media. Of course it did. Um, <laughs> Ted, Ted Frank, who is a notable lawyer for trying to blow up 
class actions in this country. I, well, actually, he says he's defending classes, you know, victims in class actions. It just happens to be that he only does it in a way that makes it such that nobody pursues class actions. But anyway, this guy decides to go on a lengthy tirade about how the associate clearly had a bad LSAT score based on nothing really in particular based uh, on vibes <laughs> based on vibes well i mean and that well that's really what it was right mm-hmm. like put aside kind of the racist implications of a lot of the stuff he was saying it already is there when you start filling in attributes to a a person like there's some sort of empty slate like mm-hmm. it, you you have a complaint and you that is one's only one side of the story but you only have one side of the story to evaluate and when you start jumping in with so obviously they were bad at the LSAT. What the hell does the LSAT have to do with writing memos <laughs> yeah. anyway? Yeah, no, nothing. It's not like the LSAT tests that. In Ted Frank's defense, I have seen a couple of wrongly placed staples, and I thought, damn, you're alleged logical reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your logic game score has nothing yeah. to do with any of this. Like, uh, wow, you anyway. can't tell where Tim sits next to Cheryl if Steve must, you know. <laughs> yeah, it just, but it, but it did... In all seriousness, it did this whole episode, what came through in it, which I thought was, you know, a a troubling thing to observe was just the way in which it, it really is like filling out like a, like a character bio, like a D and D character bio or something. (laughs) You have this person and you start ascribing all sorts of stuff to them. They clearly had a low LSAT score. They clearly, uh, have a bad attitude like all this sort of stuff that he was putting on this based on at this juncture only a record that is from the associates perspective so there's not even a good record uh, on the other side to to balance it with uh so the fact that you're doing that is particularly egregious that's the thing about projection it doesn't take much yeah yeah well it reminded me of our old friend amy wax's situation right like when she would say stuff like half of have uh that black students never finish in the top half at Penn. Like what did she have to base that on? Nothing. She has no access to any of those records. But you know, vibes, man. <laughs> Just vibes. Yeah. But this is uh this is the way this goes. Racial discrimination suit comes out, bunches of people are going to start saying a bunch of racist stuff about it. So racists are in fact gonna racist. Yeah. Hey Gee, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Gee, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. Okay. Hey, Clarence Thomas is under some sort of an investigation. Well, there probably, you go. maybe. Yeah. So the Judicial Conference put out, uh, well, it would be. Through the action of watchdog groups, the Judicial Conference had to put out its latest report, uh, minutes from its meeting, because uh, it probably would have loved to sit on them. But, you know, 
they had to come out. And in it, it doesn't name Clarence Thomas, but it does say that they are currently investigating a filer who uh, failed to disclose a number of gifts. Mm. Uh, the timeline is in line with when we know lots of people were reporting to the conference the things about Clarence Thomas. And, and ProPublica was doing its absolutely can't imagine they don't get a Pulitzer kind of work on the... <laughs> this exact question. So it does seem as though there's some sort of investigation happening. So mm. that's a positive, Yay. especially considering back in 2011 and into 2012, there were similar reports against Thomas that the conference just appeared to have swept under the rug. Now, flip side is, what are they going to do about this? They can't impeach a guy. They can refer... If they find anything, they can refer it to Merrick Garland for a possible prosecution, which would result in maybe some fines. But would he even do that? Uh, w will yeah. it get to that point? Will the DOJ, w will it get to the point of that kind of uh, referral? Then would the DOJ, DOJ do anything? Then would the courts honor the fact that the DOJ did something, uh, which is a real question. Uh, it, also, one more thing. about a the, long way to go. One more thing about yeah. the fines. Whatever they fine them, Harlan Crow can afford to pay it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Harlan's got him covered. I think the appropriate take on this is uh, that it's cautiously positive. Uh, it is good to know that the judicial conference takes this seriously enough to at least mention it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's distinctly positive. I think it's disheartening that we're this excited about it, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because because this, this is the definition of a baby step. Yeah, I would be interested to see why there wasn't. Uh, parallel conversation about Alito. Uh, we did have the Wall Street Journal pre-buttle that he came out with where he basically was like, yeah, sure, I took private planes to luxury resorts, <laughs> but they weren't really that luxury. Joe, you, go for, uh, you go for the black guy first. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, he, there is something to be said for there's a more Volume extensive record. Yeah. <laughs> but, that was a, that's a slam dunk. Maybe we just go there yeah. first. I, I also, we got to remember the, you know, give ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back, even though it wasn't really us. It was our former colleague David Latt, but the the Alito thing, his primary defense was, I didn't even know that litigant whose plane I was on. I, I barely even heard of him. And then ProPublica had dug up that above the law, uh, back in the day, David had attended a dinner in which Alito and that guy had like introduced each other and palled around about how great and close they were. I assume they figured this was a closed dinner of like-minded people that no one would ever hear about, but there was a record. He absolutely <laughs> knew this guy really well. It was a dinner of like-minded people, but still one of them was a reporter. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if uh, somebody at ProPublica is just like a above the law historian or if Dave sent like a tip was like, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they, I, I'm sure they found it by searching. Like it, it yeah. does come up when you search their names that, 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 that happened, but it was, was really useful years after the fact that that, that archive existed. So mm -hmm. that's the pat on the back for us. Shout out the let. Yeah. What else do we have to talk about? Anything? Are we good? No, I think we're good. Excellent. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. You should subscribe to the show so that you get new episodes when they come out. You should give it reviews, stars, write something. That's all important stuff. Uh, you should listen to the other shows we've got. Catherine's the host of the Jabot. I'm the, I'm a guest on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable, which is going to be exciting. I'm not going to be on this week, but it's going to be exciting in the next little bit because we're entering Legal Tech 
conference season. You know, stop it. It's not exciting. It's so exciting. <laughs> stop trying to make legal it legal week. work. AI again. Legal week. Legal week's coming. It's oh, exciting. Jeez. jeez Louise. Yeah. See everybody there. Me, me and Catherine need to make a soundboard effect where it's like Jerry Seinfeld saying, what's the deal with algorithms? Whenever Joe starts talking about AI. <laughs> anyway, uh, check out the other shows from the Legal Talk Network. You should be reading above the law. So you read these and other stories before they come out. You should follow us on social medias. The publication is at ATL blog. I'm at Joseph Patrice. Catherine's at Catherine one, the numeral one. Chris is at rights for rent as in writing, like typing and over at blue sky on Joe Patrice. And the rest is all kind of the same. And that is Peace. it. Bye. Peace. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.